NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to The Greatest, a production of iHeartRadio. All right, and welcome to another episode of The Greatest. Still in the laundry nook, still with my wife uh, and co-host, Megan Gailey. How are you doing, Megan? I'm good. How are you, honey? Very, very good. Not very good. I'm better. Yeah? But I'm good. I'm good. You've got a great fit on. Today was a day where I felt, you know, put on some pants, put on some shoes, put on like a kind of jacket and Mm -hmm. feel like I am doing something today. Well, it's also a little overcast in LA, so it feels like I've got a sweater on, a dirty sweater. Doesn't Um, look dirty. Well, thank you. And dirty leggings. Dirty leggings. That sounds like your next album. That's sad and... For a woman in her mid-30s to be talking about dirty leggings as a brand is, like, pretty bad. I'd like to just keep that to this podcast and then never do it or say it ever again. Um, On that note, I am so excited for our guest this week. A friend I haven't seen, wow, since we all went in a group to see us, um, which was a very fun... That was awesome. That was a great field trip. Um. Grown-ups going in large groups to movies, I highly recommend it when movie theaters come back in 2024. Two rows of comedians. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Um, we wrote together on the ESPYs, originally from Tallahassee via Chicago, now in L.A., writing on the new Say by the Bell. Shantira Jackson, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing, <laughs> I, I mean... I, I'm I'm sad but good, you know the way the yeah. world is. Yeah. We're all like sad but good. <laughs> you've been so busy. I want to just highlight some of the stuff you've been doing. You helped organize and run one of the massive, very successful protests in Hollywood the day after Breonna Taylor's birthday. And then you were also one of the names that was signed at the bottom of the letter demanding changes to Second City. And then I have to imagine on top of that, are you are you working right now? Are you writing too? I yes, I am. <laughs> I'm trying to. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
how, how are you doing all this? No, it's, yeah. I mean, like I complain about having one job, but um, yeah, to do all those things is awesome. Now, can I ask just a question that's been on my mind? How do you organize a protest? Okay. So here's the thing. I love a party, but I don't throw parties, right? <laughs> mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there are people who really do this work. Um, this girl named yeah. Shannon Morton and my friend um, Sheeds Rashida, they like were the women who were like, let's fucking do this. And I was like, okay, yeah. I'll use my blue check mark and try to get as many people there as possible. And then I'll say that I'll speak. And I mean, like, they were the working forces behind, like, getting, like, the place where you go. Like, I, if, I, mm-hmm. if it was us, we'd be in trouble because we wouldn't have a permit, right? But right. Um, it, there's a lot of organizers who really do the work, live and breathe that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, like, mm-hmm. I was in a fortunate position where I could be like, I can get people to show up and I can get people to, yeah. and I'll speak. And for, for some reason, people, if you've ever been associated with television in any way, shape, or form, people will come and listen to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. The blue check mark. people have really, it's, it's like, stigma. It's, it's weaponized. Like, they're weaponizing it against us. And it's like, I don't really know anyone who was like, give me a blue check mark so then I can... No. It also, put my well, I know, people. but it's none of our friends. Luckily. Right, exactly. Like, it's like, what? People get so mad. Like, it's... It used to be like, you fat whore, and now it's like, you blue checked mark bitch. Yes, That's- and it's like, <laughs> I'm not rich. I think they associate the blue check mark with, like, fucking green stacks. And it's like, no, yeah. dude. Right. I wrote on a TV show and like I live in an apartment in NoHo. Like I'm not rich. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they see the blue check mark and they're like, it is Marie Antoinette herself. Like, and it's like, they, no. It really, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't have enough natural light in my apartment. The blue check mark means nothing. <laughs> so uh, do you, I mean, I, I'm genuinely just curious as, a friend and fellow creative. And and I do want to say there may be a photo that surfaces of Shantira and I, and I'd like to address that we are dressed as security guards and not cops oh, in this photo. Yeah. We put in. Yes. <laughs> I was bit. going through my Instagram and I'm like, why am I dressed as a cop? And then I was no, like, no, oh, no, no. We, were secu- we were security guards. We were guards. security guards um, <laughs> in a sketch that, that we worked on that we then forced ourselves to be a part of. At the which, SDs. Which is... If you're going to be a creative, force your way into things. Absolutely. I think that is my number one recommendation. If you are to a woman in this industry, you must write for yourself. So we wrote mm-hmm. a sketch and we were like, you know who should be in it? Us. Us. <laughs> As two female security guards who are smaller than the man we have to pull off the stage. It also was, they were like, oh, since, you know, you get paid to write for a show, but then since we were doing something on camera, they legally have to pay us too. And I was so behind on my SAG fees, I actually had to pay $700 to be in that sketch. <laughs> no! I yeah. So, I still to this day am not in SAG. I have not booked anything enough for that. So, I got, that's the first time I was ever paid to be on camera. So, I got $400 oh. and I was like, I'm rich. Again, repeat, blue check marks have no money <laughs> yes and wh- who are you you guys were pulling off bill murray off stage no right? it wasn't bill murray was it? it was um gosh what is his uh, name michael He's higgins the- 
Yes. Michael Higgins. Yes. Higgins. Who, okay. I, who is like so lovely and is so funny. But he, we were, our sketch was also after like a really somber, wild um, piece that, so we just stood backstage listening to. It was not someone, the yeah. best time to do that sketch. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. We were like, we're going next? Oh, no. Yeah. And then my mom yeah. was watching and she was like, I just saw you. It was like a weird thing to be like, getting a text from my mom after this really, really sad, like, it was basically a, like, in memoriam kind of vibe after, yeah. and then we were like, let's go do this bit. Yeah. There were famous people standing backstage crying um, yes. while we were making sure we had all of our props for is, our security guard park. Is that story that you've told me about this appropriate for you to tell about the rehearsal? No, okay. it's not. I'm sorry. It's not appropriate. Um, <laughs> it's so Shantara, we'll we'll discuss it off air because you will remember and it's so funny. Maybe CJ and I will do our first ever Patreon just to tell people what this insane story is. Um, but yeah, sometimes you um behind the scenes of things is really, really where the action it, happens. It's you think really it's the wild. show, it's not. It was really wild. I remember exactly what you're talking about because I was a participant. <laughs> and I was like, this is not my job. So if we, never, <laughs> if we never tell the story, just know that a Black woman said, this is not my job. That is why. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. So if that gives you any idea, it was just something. And we were like, that's not your job. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, my God. So fun. I mean, remember when the world was uh, a fun place where we would just get Mendocino Farms for free, no matter where we were? I, I remember. I really OK, so like Mendocino Farms was like chill. But I remember they were like, you can order whatever you want out of this book. And they would go to like, is it Yard yes. House? Brickyard? Yard House? Yes. Yard yeah. house. And I would order yeah. a $40 ribeye every time <laughs> people be like we're gonna be tacos. for lunch <laughs> and i'll be like i need i need the ribeye um mm -hmm. <laughs> mashed potatoes and uh i just like every time i was like well i want a 40 dollars steak so <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that's what i did sometimes you'll be on or i've been on things where it's like here's the menu and like the first day everybody is like okay we're gonna get chips and guac for the whole room let's get some calamari and then everyone's getting like an entree salad and three tacos yeah and then the next day they come in and they're like okay the limit is 15 dollars yes. <laughs> we go so intense we're just yeah so because I'll, happy. I'll order lunch and dinner and i'll be like we need extra to-go boxes and take stuff home I was paid so poorly on something I was working on that the food was my only way yeah. to like make up for it. You have and to. And they would, you have, like, it's like I am living below the poverty line, being on television. I'm getting a club sandwich and a steak, and you can suck my dick. I yield my time. Yes. <laughs> Give me the snacks. Uh, on my last job, well, it was uh, like the last day. And I just like was like, I'm going to take these granola bars because I asked for them. <laughs> this show is over. They're going in my backpack. <laughs> and and I, I'm i an equal opportunity food um, mooch. Like I gave blood last week and I took a ton of snacks for myself. And then I took snacks home for CJ, who did not give blood. But I was like, oh, I know he likes these kind of fruit snacks. Guys, no, but you know I've been on a, a diet, too. First of all, <laughs> you guys you. are married. Your blood is his blood. His blood is yes. your blood. <laughs> it's fine. 
Absolutely. <laughs> Let's chat sports before we get into the topic. You are from Tallahassee. Yes. Moved to Chicago. Yes. Now, growing up, were you a Florida fan? Oh, yeah. Like, I'm a, yeah. I was, I went to Florida State. So uh, okay. my dad oh, okay. went to Florida State. My aunts went to Florida State. My dad ran track there. Like, I was a huge sports fan. Wow. Uh, cool. So, like, there's nothing to do in Tallahassee except for play football or work for the state of Florida. And like, <laughs> that's it. And since I grew up and didn't want to do either of those things, I moved away. Yeah. But that's so, wow. I mean, Florida State, one of like the Dion. most storied football yeah. programs yeah. for sure. Yeah. That's like when I close my eyes and think of football, college football that I just picture the maroon and gold. Yeah. I mean, like, and also like, we're good at like every sport. So like, even mm-hmm. if you're yeah. just on campus and you just want to like putz around, you could be like, I could go watch the golf team probably, and they'd be good. It's like, everybody looks good. It's like, I can yeah. go watch a couple holes of this. Every time you come to campus, whatever was happening, it was good. When you moved to Chicago, did you feel, because like, I mean, you were on a sketch team called 3P. Yeah. So it's like, you're definite, you you definitely became part of like the Chicago comedy scene as we did, which in turn is kind of like, you have to be a part of the Chicago sports scene as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I.O. was across the street from Wrigley Field. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which, gave, which, yeah. Which, inter- which kind of made me a Sox fan. <laughs> yes. That's yes. how it worked. I lived behind Wrigley, and I didn't care about baseball, but then my commutes home from my job at Blockbuster made me a Sox fan. I was yes. like, I was like, Cubs fans are adding 45 minutes to my commute, and I hate them. Yeah, I was just trying to do a couple of improv shows, uh, I'll never forget my first improv show ever. This isn't even a Cub story. It's a Blackhawk story. Uh, and the Blackhawks had won the World Series, not the World Series, the Stanley Cup. Um, yeah. That the, the day of my first Herald show. And, <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I got there early because I was Which like, is your here. Stanley Cup, you know? Like, that is the uh, improv equivalent of the Stanley yeah, Cup. Yeah, so, like, I made a Herald team, and it was our first show ever. And people couldn't come to the show because the fans from the Stanley Cup up were so wild that the police put up barricades so people were like trying to cross Clark Street and like couldn't get so like it was just like the people who were already in the theater had to stay in the theater and watch our show and the people who came to see the show couldn't get in because of the Stanley Cup it was a mess <laughs> yeah that corner would just be absolute mayhem what was it a bar louis that was next yes, to it yes bar or, louis yes and, it was yeah and you would go and like eat there after class or shows and then it it honestly like the image that's coming to mind is in ghostbusters when the titanic comes to New York City and all the zombies <laughs> pour off of it and are roaming the streets. Like, it's, you would be in Bar Louie just having a nice uh, zip-zap-zop time with your friends, <laughs> and then zombies chaos. would overrun. Chaos. Yes. I mean, Pure this is chaos. why I think a lot of great comedians and writers all come from Chicago is because that was our audience. Like, we had to, like, entertain the dumbest people in the dumbest bars, and now it's just like, oh, everything else is a cakewalk to us. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, also, people walking in drunk in the middle of your show going, what God is damn. this? Yeah. What are they doing? And it's like, shut up. I'm trying to do improv. And they're like, no, <laughs> like nothing's worse than being yelled at from some guy who just left a baseball game who just wants to know what's happening. 
Yeah, we we did comedy in a hostile environment. Um, I did I did just watch the Save by the Bell reboot, which you you wrote for, right? Are you guys currently writing on that? Right uh, now? we're all the episodes are written. Production is halted, so we have a couple of episodes left before we can put a show out. <laughs> Gotcha. gotcha. No, the trailer really surprised me. I thought it was just going to be another like multicam reboot. And it was like, uh, the, I mean, I don't know. The jokes are feel. It feels like 30 Rock. I know there's a 30 Rock writer on it, but it, it, I'm like really excited about it now. It, thank you. I'm really proud of it. It's really fun. And the, um, the, the yeah, Tracy Wickfield is like a 30 Rock baby, the showrunner. Uh, it's like joke heavy. It's really smart. The room's diverse. Like, you know that if I didn't like the job, I'd be like, it was a fun time I had. But I actually really like <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you just be like, oh, yeah, everyone was great. And um, I'm looking forward to doing some new things. No, that job was great. I hope we get a second season so I can go back to the job I liked. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I knew I knew you loved that job because I knew there was a job previous to it that you did not love. And that's how you can tell oh, when someone yeah. actually likes a job. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, when yeah. They dunk, job- when they dunk on a past job, you're like, oh, they like this one. Got it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I The job I had previously, I worked there for six days and I quit. And then I also, like, didn't post that I was working there. Yeah. <laughs> like, usually right. when you get yeah. a new job, especially in TV, you're like, I want people to watch it. I'm really excited about this experience. Yeah. I, like, took that job that I quit and I was like, I'm going to wait before I post. This has a weird vibe. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. um, I did not post about it because I quit after a week. I was like, mm-mm. Your girl has got to go. <laughs> Good for you. No, I um I hated that show and I hate that person and I was very proud and happy. And then yeah, I heard like fun drama behind the scenes and yeah, it filled me with joy. Woo, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. That- and I was really happy you were out of there. Yeah. Also, it's so funny, it's because like you know about it, but like also like a lot of people know about it. Like, if you don't know about it, sorry, you don't have a blue check mark. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> it's just that it's one of those things where, like, I really was low key on my exit, and people would be like, I heard about that. And I'd be like, Who told you? <laughs> it's wild out here. Well, I think. I think sometimes what happened, you you were very discreet. And I remember you being like, I'm not saying what I didn't like. I'm just happy to be at this new show that I did like. But since you came from a show that other people didn't like or people don't like the person associated it was it was fun for us you know oh you, yes you were thank you so much respectful I'm, I'm, and professional but you gave us a nugget and we ran with it let's get into the topic so our topic today is the greatest comeback Yes. and this was actually a peek behind the curtain cj and i did this topic for our Um, pilot of this podcast that was never released but we have been wanting to do it again and you felt like the perfect person to do it with um it's feel good we're trying to kind of do things that feel a little empowering right now within the realm of sports themselves so this felt like a good topic for that and um yeah shantira you want to give us your number three pick uh my number three comeback we, we just talked shit about them uh it's going to be uh, the Cubs winning the World Series. Nice. Great one. That's my number three. Were, were you in Chicago then? I was in Chicago. And my experience, so like, uh, CJ, I don't know if you like baseball now. I don't. 
No, I, I don't. I, think I don't know what will ever change it, but no. I think it's the most boring sport. Like, I think it's so boring. It's too long. But I was working at Second City, and then uh, when I finished my show, that that last game went into extra innings. It was, like, hella long. Right. So I watched a bunch of the game in the bar, and then I went to go work out at Export. <laughs> I was like, this Oh, my God. So I went to go work out in the bar. I mean, went to work out at Export and they were playing the game like on different things. Yeah. So like I was like just working out and like looking to see if they were winning. And then I like finished working out, went downstairs, changed, came back up. And then like they won. And I was like, oh, my God. And then I walked home like it was announced that they won. I walked outside on uh, Well Street and then it was mm-hmm. like people pouring out. And I was like, holy crap. So like I watched yeah. most of the game and then I like watched the replay in export. And then I was like, I got to go home right now. <laughs> yeah, you were like, I got to get out of here. Yeah. Even hearing that export, I'm like transported back to a certain time in my life. <laughs> I love, That export is burned in my memory. But yeah, I mean, what's wild too is there were so many bars in Chicago that were just showing the game on TV, but it was like, it's $150 to come in here and watch the game. Crazy. Where it, it, Yeah. And it's like, you were just at export for free watching it, having the same <laughs> yeah. experience. Yeah, it was wild. I was in that bar and it was just getting kind of crazy. And I was like, I don't know if they're going to win. But I do know that if they win, I don't want to be in this small bar. And I do know that if they lose, I don't want to be in this small bar. So then I went and got on an elliptical. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, what I love about this comeback, and there's going to be one similar to it, is that it goes from being, you know, they were down, the Cubs were down 3-1, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're just like, well, disappointment again. Like, I can't believe I wasted my time caring. And then you, then they win one and they win, they win another. And you're like, oh my God. And it's just like, if I was a Cubs fan, I would just be incredibly stressed out. And that, but that payoff of then going into extra innings in game seven, it's just, it is like, whether or not you're a fan of them or a fan of baseball, you're like, this is an achievement. In like something we may not see for a while. Also, I was yeah. in Chicago when it happened. That's why yeah, it that's was so insane. amazing. Because like all of the choices that I have today were things that I actually saw or like participated in, you know, like not mm-hmm. like old videos. Mm-hmm. Like I remember watching it live and I like remember the moment when like the whole city was like, oh, my gosh, something amazing happened today. And you could feel it. There's nothing mm-hmm. like somebody mm-hmm. winning. Chicago winning is like there's nothing like yeah. it. Yes. Yeah. Well, and do you what is which is more impressive to you coming back from down three one in the World Series or coming back from a curse that a man put on you over 100 years ago? The goat, the goat. You think the goat's a more impressive comeback? Yeah. Okay. Overcoming the curse. (laughs) I think that I think the goat is more impressive because I've seen people come back from three to one. I've seen people come back in basketball. I've seen that before. We haven't seen anybody wait 108 years to win. So I think that's yeah. impressive. It's a longer wait. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, right. Uh, overcoming a curse is what like Harry Potter is about. You know, like it is impressive. <laughs> um, okay, I will go next. My number three is 
gosh, this is one I actually didn't even know about until last week when this person maybe celebrated a birthday or some sort of anniversary. And it is Ben Hogan winning the 1950 US Open. And I know about this. Well, I'll just say now my honorable mention is going to be Tiger winning the 2019 Masters. And everyone considers that like truly the greatest um the greatest like individual comeback from his, his, he had four back surgeries and his personal scandals and the Hooters waitress and all of that. And then he was able to come back and and win. But when Tiger is asked about that, he says Ben Hogan's comeback is the greatest comeback in sports. So I'm giving the nod to him. And he, Ben Hogan was hit by a Greyhound bus. What? Hit by a Greyhound bus. <laughs> On leaving a turn after on his way driving home from a tournament and broke his pelvis, ribs were broken. When the authorities or whoever first got to the scene, they thought he was dead. That's how smashed the car was. What? Um, he should have died. He should have died. And doctors are like, there's no way he'll ever play golf again. He may never walk again. And then less than a year and a half later, he not only was back walking but he won a major tournament and he wouldn't he shouldn't have even been playing in it based on like medical reports so if you read what he had to go through to get like he had to soak in epsom salt for an hour every day before even going out there i think he he was in he was towards the top spot going into the weekend and i guess told his wife i don't think i'm going to be able to finish like he just didn't even think he could physically walk 36 more holes oh my God. and then out of like sheer determination was able to do it and uh, yeah and, and won a major and then went on to win many more majors after that and that kind of like cement that's why we even know who he is i guess he also hit the ball further than anyone ever <laughs> So he just sounds great. I just, to be hit by a Greyhound bus. Yeah, that's cartoonish. Yeah. That's like a punchline in Scary Movie. Can I just be honest with you really quick? When you said he got hit by a bus, I truly was thinking like Mean Girls. Like I hit yeah. by a yeah. bus. Yeah. So when you were like yeah. in a car, I was like, oh, okay. So like a little part of me was like yeah. less impressed, but I'm still impressed. <laughs> well, that's, that's how sick our brains are because I thought the same thing, Shantira. I was like, yeah. oh my well, gosh. He got hit by a bus, yeah. and then you were like, it is and they peeled him off the road. Yeah, yeah, Wiley Coyote style, and then he's swinging a golf club. But yeah, it's just, I, it's, I mean, to your point, Shantara, it's like I wasn't alive, so I don't know this, yeah. and I only know about it because I think what T- Tiger did is so incredible. And Tiger's like, yes, it is incredible that I cheated on my wife and won a major after it, but it's more incredible that this man got hit by a bus. Yeah, that's yeah, I'm crazy. Taking Tiger's opinion on that. <laughs> So that's my number three. I mean, poor Ben Hogan. He couldn't even he couldn't even get it to my one spot. Um, okay, CJ, you give us your number three. All right, my number three. I don't like showing them love. Oh God, I don't uh, like what this is already. Uh, it's Patriot Super Bowl Fifty One. No, I hate that. Uh, you know what? It was probably one of the worst sports moments to have to experience. Just like. Not a good year. No, it felt um, like Trump won again. Yeah, and that's why I'm like, it truly. That it was Super Bowl 51, 23. It, yes, yes. But I can't discount that it happened, you know? know? That's why. So I'm like, and I'm, I know people will get mad at us if we don't bring it up. And like, 
It was, you know, that year, especially Brady had been uh, suspended for the first four weeks. And it's part of like his legacy, whether you like it or not, like for them to then win the Super Bowl, they were down 28 to three with two minutes left in the third quarter. And then they came back and won. It's just like something I've never seen before. I know. And I never want to see it again. (laughs) <laughs> no, I know. You know, I, so I watched the election results come in at a comedian's house and then well, it was heartbreaking and terrifying and all, you know, all those emotions. And then three months later, I guess it wasn't even it was like, yeah, maybe two yeah, or three February, months later, yeah, mm-hmm. the same comedian was like, you want to come over and watch the Super Bowl here? And I'm like, fuck, yeah, you know, we'll break the curse on your house. And then this happened. <laughs> and I was like, I will never set foot in your home ever again. No, like, uh, that- I hope you move. And this burns to the ground. <laughs> Yo, a goat cursed that person's house. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Oh, it was. Um, yeah, no, you're right, CJ. Uh, it is. The thing is, it's an amazing comeback, but it's it like symbolized evil winning. And I know that that's yeah. too harsh, but it was like, ugh. it's an amazing comeback. If it happens for the team that we want to win, it happened for right. the team that we're like sick of their shit. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, it's like Darth Vader being like clinging for his life and coming back. It's like, okay, you did it, Darth Vader, but like, we don't like you. <laughs> yeah. CJ, thank you for taking Sorry. one for the team because people would be mad. Just, but, yeah, I'm just doing them the, a service. The Super Bowl <laughs> is a large stage and they did do it. It's just, uh, I feel for the Falcons, but yeah. But they needed it. Just, we needed a win. I know. And I didn't I know. It's, I, a, it's like, I say we, I don't give a fuck about the Falcons. I, you know, I know. <laughs> but I was like, no. I mean, everyone against Trump was the on the Falcons. Falcons. Yeah, we're we Hillary that. somehow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We needed that, and we did not get it. And we got it in the most upsetting fashion. Yeah. So. Oh wow. Yeah. What a what a span of um, a few months that was. Okay, let's take a quick break, and we'll be back with more. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. 
and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, and we are back with our second picks. Shantira, kick us off here. Okay, so my second pick is another game that I remember watching live, and it is the the Miracle Minute by Duke in 2001. Wow, yeah. And, like, Jay Williams, they were playing Maryland, and they scored 10 points in, like, a minute. It Was this in the championship or Final Four? No, I don't even think it was in the championship. It was just a oh. just like a regular season game. Oh, it was just like a wild game. Yeah, it was just like a wild yeah, game. When- and like they were down by 10 points with like a minute left. And like in men's basketball, like that is nothing. Like I've grown up to be like anything can happen in 10 minutes, right? But it really felt like they weren't at Duke. I don't believe. I think they were at Maryland. And it was just like, okay, we have a minute. Let's see what happens. And they... Tied the game, came back, and then won in overtime. And then, like, Jay Williams scored, like, 10 points in, like, a minute. <laughs> wow. Yeah, 10 points in 54 seconds. Wow. It's all against Juan Dixon and Steve oh, Blake. Wow. We talk about Juan Dixon a lot because of Housewives, but... uh and also just like I had I had a Juan Dixon Wizards jersey as a kid because I liked that Wizards Jordan team uh, for some weird, sick reason. And yeah, I mean, yeah, Maryland was a I mean, th- these were like college stars. stars this is like a star studded game. We talk, about, we talk about Jay Williams a lot, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but for other reasons. I remember watching it and being like, dang, that was a good game. I guess. Oh, crap. <laughs> they They came yeah. back. I just because I also played basketball growing up and I was like, that was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. <laughs> wow. Wait, wait. So were you were you uh, for or against Duke? Oh, I was for Duke. I was in the ACC, okay. like ACC family. You know what I mean? And like, I really love Duke. I really loved who was winning. I was like 15. So I love Duke. I love UConn. I love watching really, really good players be good. So I was like, I want Duke to win. And man, that was a crazy, crazy game to watch. I've always wondered if conference, if if conference, CJ gets, makes fun of me when I can't say words, right? (laughs) And I'm shocked he didn't do it. I've always wondered if conference allegiance, like I do that. I went to a big 10 school. If, if Purdue is out of it, I root for the other Big Ten schools. And people are like, that seems weird. And I'm like, I don't know. It seems like we're a family. Our- we're an yeah. ACC family. And if, if Florida State's out, honestly, if Florida State's out, I'm rooting for anybody except for the University of Florida. If I'm being okay, that's my <laughs> okay, okay. That's my anybody. Give me a Big Ten. Give me the uh, the SEC. Anybody but the but- University of Florida. But if I'm sticking, if, if it's a choice, if there's somebody in the ACC, I'm going ACC. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's how I feel too. I'm glad to hear that I'm not the only, well, like, I don't even know if it's Homer because it doesn't even make sense. But I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll root for Michigan. I don't give a fuck, you know? Like, great. I It feels good for all of us, what, even though Michigan wouldn't spit on Purdue if they were on fire. What family would I be a part of if I went to Columbia College, a school that accepts 100% of its applicants? You are part of the Kardashian West family. <laughs> oh, thank you. You have to root <laughs> If any of the Kardashian Wests are in any um, sort of struggle, you are on well, their Well, that's why team. I tell people, like, oh, Columbia College. Interesting. What's that all about? I'm like, well, it's where Kanye dropped out, you know? Um, and he is a brilliant artist. And they're like, okay, cool. But w- you jump from comedy yeah, job to comedy job? Yeah, I would love for job? there to be, like, an art school um, – because art school, they don't compete in no. athletics. <laughs> yeah, so there's there like, is no conference. There's yeah, no sport. Yeah. But maybe it's just, like – you pick whichever has like a a good uh like color or like a yeah good song <laughs> a logo yeah you're like that logo symbolizes anything that you if there was a documentary that you were moved that's by that's what i did with fab 5 for a while with yeah. the michigan black socks black nike's like that's usually what i do so yeah i think that's a you're you're, you're the art school conference <laughs> yeah you okay can great do whatever pick. you want <laughs> Great pick, Shantira. Okay, my second pick is a game that I was actually at. Yes. And that's why it goes that's why it goes ahead of Ben Hogan being hit by a Greyhound bus. I apologize, Ben. But this is the 2007 Colts <laughs> AFC Championship game. CJ is laughing. And the thing is, I know this is a homer pick, but this game is on a lot of lists. Yeah, like, it is. <laughs> at that at that time, it was the greatest comeback in conference championship history. I do not think that um, record has been broken. And it was the fourth greatest comeback in postseason history. Now, obviously, we've mentioned when that. So we now we watched it recently. On we our- watched rewatched parts of it. It was it was like the the Patriots always beat the Colts. Like in the moments and games that mattered most, they won. And so it really and, and Peyton had never been to a Super Bowl at this point. We were the second of the conference championship, so we already knew the Bears were going. And it you know. You have to be delusional as a sports fan and be like, we're going to win this time. But that's an uphill battle to go against Belichick and Brady in 2007. Oh, my God, this is like prime evil time for them. (laughs) And the Colts went down 21 to three in the first half. And it truly, I mean, I was reading an article about it today and it was like when they scored that touchdown to go up 21 to three, the the stadium was silent. Like the air felt like it was sucked out of there. I remember my brother leaving at halftime to go smoke a cigarette. Like it was bleak inside of there. And then the Colts just fucking came out roaring. And it was so incredible to be a part of, because it wasn't just a comeback in this particular game. It was a comeback for all the times the Patriots had beaten the Colts. Like the rivalry was so real and so fresh and it it felt David versus Goliath. It really felt like the little tiny losers had finally beat them. And I, I remember Marlon Jackson catching that interception and that's when it was cemented. And I was reading this article today and the, the guy was like, it's the greatest NFL game I've ever been to. And is he a Colts fan? I don't know. He does have a journalism job, so I'd assume not. And he was like, 
talking about there were grown adults crying. My brother had to hold me up like my knees gave out. And I didn't even remember that Will Smith's Welcome to Miami because the Super Bowl was in Miami that year started playing. And I'm like, we're the best. We had the best. We had just the best time. That day I saw a woman pee in a sink at a White Castle. I mean, I was living my little Indiana dreams. And it was at the RCA Dome. Like, that doesn't even exist anymore. It was just, it was magical to be there. So that's my number two. (laughs) (laughs) And I knew it. Honestly, and that's why I made the Patriots come back my number three, because I knew it would just set you up nicely for that. Thanks, honey. (laughs) All right, you feel good? Oh, I feel so good. I I just, I love that team. I You blacked out there for a second, describing it play by play. Well, I also, I mean, the Colts went on to win the Super Bowl. If they hadn't. Yeah. Would that game still feel as good? I don't know. I think it would still be a great comeback, but it's like it it was the biggest hurdle yeah. to then went what went on to be a Super Bowl win. So yeah, it feels it feels sweet. Okay. Okay. I'm riding high, CJ. I'm riding high. <laughs> All right. My second pick is one that I'm still like diving into a lot. Last week I watched when we were kings. And I, you know, just also with you know the the current climate, I was like how big of a feat this was. So Ollie Foreman, uh, Rumble in the Jungle, because I don't think like our generation realizes how done people thought Muhammad Ali was. Like he was banned and suspended from the from boxing in 67, didn't return until three years later. At that point, I believe is like 31, 32, and was like, I'm going to go get my title back, went to fight Frazier, who lost. won, lost, unanimous yeah. decision. Yeah. And you're like, this guy's got to be done. Like, at this point, like, to put it in more current, like, analogy, it's like, it is like Jordan's Wizards. Yeah. Or Wizard Jordan. And then, it just, and, and also just seeing Foreman in this documentary, too, you're like, whoa, this was a different dude. This guy, like, Foreman was a machine. He was Who huge. had beaten Frazier. He was just a... Stone, like just stone cold. Yeah. He was like a badass. And now we think of him as like a sweetie pie. Yeah. <laughs> and in rewatching that doc too, and just that fight, you realize everything in boxing movies is stolen from literally everything Ollie has done. But like the, there was a comeback not only in this like long period of time, but also within the fight of like doing the rope a dope where he's just getting like hit by punch after punch, heavy punch, and then tired out Foreman and beat him. And that is just like, again, something I've never, I haven't seen since. Um, and just again, adds to the legend of Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Uh, Muhammad Ali is probably like the number one person that I've learned about that I'm, that I'm very much aware that whether it was my own choosing to not know about him or society as a whole being like, oh, that's just not a dude that we like fully celebrate. But I'm like, damn, this guy was a, is a legend yeah. like was a was a, a a king a god amongst amongst humans amongst normal people to to boycott going to war i mean that shit sounds so like he really cool walked now so many people yeah. talk the talk but he was like i don't give a shit about this medal i don't care about this belt like i'm here for yeah. my people and it's like whoa like also that's a lot of money like he was really yeah. like he gave up a lot just to be like, mm-hmm. I'm going to stick to my principles. I'm going to stick to my morals. And then came back and whooped some ass. Like, you can't be mad at yeah. it. Yeah. 
<laughs> years, yeah. years after. Yeah. I mean, and it's so interesting to this NBA debate is happening right now. And like, that's not something I can even have an opinion on, you know, like if, if Kyrie doesn't want to play, I get it. If LeBron wants to play, I get it. You know, like everybody is right in what they want, but Muhammad Ali, he wasn't boycotting. They, he, they banished him. They said, you cannot play because like, that's so he would have taken the platform. He would have continued to fight and and use his platform and and push the issues. But he was silenced and unallowed to, which is so crazy, given what we see. I mean, it'd be like LeBron being punished for calling Trump a bum, you know, yeah. like it it we've evolved since then, but it's like, wow, he really did so much and is so underappreciated. I think, especially in white America. Yeah. Well, also they like, there's a different narrative. America's very good at like rewriting history. So now they're all like, we love Muhammad Ali. We love everything about right. him. And we're like, yeah, 50 years ago, you did not love him and you were not about him. <laughs> oh yeah. That's a great pick. Thanks, CJ. Okay, we're going to take a break and then we'll be back with our number one picks. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
All right, and we're back. And Shintira, how we do this, since you're our guest, you'll be uh, the last of the uh, to choose the number one pick okay. as sort of our big finale. So, Megan, why don't you kick us off? Okay, so my number one is a person coming back from an injury again, and this one is Monica Sellis coming back from being stabbed in the back while playing a tennis match. Um, Whoa. It's so insane. I, I've been a lifelong tennis fan. This happened in 93. So I do remember this happening. I like, it, yeah, it's just, it doesn't matter where the fuck I was doing, but it's, <laughs> but like, it's something that I forget about a lot. And then when I re-remember it, it's so crazy. Um, Monica Sellis at that point was like, she was the number one ranked woman in the world. She had won eight majors. She was playing kind of even like a warm-up match in Hamburg, Germany, and a Steffi Groff, like, psycho fan ran onto the court and stabbed her in the back. And the <laughs> guy's sorry. name was, um, I know it's, Shantira, it's so fucking crazy. Um, I'm not the laughing. Guy's name, I don't think it's, no, I, that's my response I, when things are so fucked up that I just laugh. Yeah. I know, I know. It's, it, the story is going to get even more fucked up, unfortunately. The guy's name is um, Gunter Parch. And yeah, he was obsessed with Steffi Groff and Celis had recently beat her. And Gunter ended up um serving no jail time. What? He what? was given he was given two years probation. And because of that, Monica Celis said and then did not ever play in Germany ever again. She said she did not feel safe playing there and she felt like they their like justice system had let her down. Absolutely. But she did, yeah, she did come back to play. There was even discussion about um, holding her number one seat for her because she, her ranking was dropping, not because she like got injured playing. She got injured because someone stabbed her. And so they ended up, voting to not hold her seat for her but she still had her ranking when she came into tournaments and so she came back it was less than four years later and won the australian open which is the major that serena won while she was pregnant so i just you know it's like so badass for both of them <laughs> um but then that ended up being the last major that she won at um post the stabbing but she did have a career but it really i mean it halted her. It, it, it took away four years of her tennis prime, which tennis is such a short, um, traditionally like career length you have. Obviously, like Serena has busted that and Federer, but it used to be like, oh, you've got like five years that you can play tennis, and and four of them were taken away from her. But she did come back to win a major, and then some other um, like tour tournaments after. Yeah, so Gunter, <laughs> you fucking stinker, Gunter. I mean, I, I was, I'll just reveal my second pick. It's, you know, the Cavs coming back from 3-1. That's your but, first pick, you mean? Or number, yeah, yeah, first pick. And then I'm like, uh, none of them were stabbed in the series, you know? It's it, The thing that makes it extra crazy is that it was in a tournament. Like, she was playing tennis during this. Oh, my and, God. And she has, she has contended that that tennis has not done enough to protect players. Like yeah. that year at Wimbledon, the, usually the chairs, they have their backs to the crowd and they're seated like next to the umpires. That year at Wimbledon, they turned the chairs so they were facing the umpires. And Monica Sells was like, yeah, that's not really enough um, <laughs> to, 
to stop someone from running on the court to stab somebody. Like, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, maybe you should have gone last because, like, there's nothing. Also, (laughs) like, again, when you were like, she got stabbed in the back, I was like, metaphorically, like, I keep keep messing (laughs) up what, like, I thought they got hit by a bus. Uh, for real and then I thought there was the metaphorical stabbing and you know what every time you tell me what's real it's a it, I'm, I'm flabbergasted <laughs> also like how bad does Steffi Groff feel it's like oh my god Gunter what are you doing oh, god. it's like it, it's that Jodie Foster uh, didn't uh, one of her fans he tried to kill I he forget. tried to assassinate somebody. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, these fans, like, Gunter, Steffi is not going to be like, wow, I love you now. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> wow, that's wild. She's married. She's married to Andre Agassi. She don't care about you, Gunter. <laughs> well, and like in the articles, they're like, and authorities think he maybe had mental problems. It's like, you think, you think Gunter was suffering some from some mental issues to run on a tennis court and stab a woman he doesn't know. Like, yeah, he's <laughs> suffering from some mental issues. It's so wild. I'm going to have to really look into this later because in my head, the um, it, it, it had to have happened so fast, but in my head, it's like slowed down. You see a man with the knife, yeah. people yeah. are running, like, you know how buck wild and like like insecure things have to be for a full grown man with a knife to come yeah. onto a court, and I'm bet she was wearing all white. Oh my gosh! Wow, wow. She, was in, she was in her cute little tennis outfit. There's actually like a really iconic photo. It's it's eerily similar to the Nancy Kerrigan on the ground where yeah. Monica's on the ground being tended to. It's it's such a wild insane terrifying uh story i will be looking into it all right (laughs) good good i'm i'm glad and i i also just like i've always loved monica sellis she was she was a badass awesome tennis player and so cool and yeah i feel like he definitely robbed her of this but she's still a badass to come i would never i wouldn't even play ping pong ever again like it would be (laughs) a wrap for me a wrap on my tennis life but she came back and beat some ass too Okay, CJ. All right, give us the cast. Well, no. So, <laughs> honorable mention. I, I didn't mention because it's it felt so new, and I just remembered it was the Chiefs, uh, the game before the Super Bowl, where they were oh, down yeah. twenty four unanswered points, and then I think uh, maybe Damian Williams he returned it like it was like a seventy year. I don't even know how long it was, but then everyone knew like oh, like you could feel it, and then they rode that all the way into yeah. the Super Bowl. And one. So that like, was against the. Te- was that against the against Texans? Against the Texans. Yeah, yeah. good. I like watching. And like the Texans I, that was lose. like again a correction. Uh, we just didn't want to see like we needed the Chiefs to win. Yeah. Um, in our climate, and so the Texans coming in there and scoring twenty four unanswered. You're like, all right, people are we're going we're veering back yeah, but towards we even Republican. Mad. Why were we mad at the Texans? I, I just am mad at JJ Watt always. Oh right, 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 right. Because this was pre knowing about the Astros. Um, cheating because it's like yeah. you guys got a, a World Series that you like kind of don't deserve. So yeah, you're not going to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, we just gotta. That's just what's going to happen. Any red, white, and blue team, I'm like, well, we don't honey, need it. I don't no, know no, if no, the Chiefs be can be held up as like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if the Chiefs in that weird I song forgot. they sing can be. I know it's celebrated like you as... <laughs> for, but at the end of the day. It's like I totally forgot. At the end of the day, it's like the 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 Chiefs are technically in the ACC. You know what I mean? They're like if we're going for the Texans or the Chiefs, 
We know everybody's got some problematic stuff going on, but I'm going to go for yeah. the Chiefs. <laughs> the Chiefs have the Chiefs have a crazy history. Whoever has the least amount of bad things is who yeah. I know for. Yeah, and, and you want Andy Reid, you know, it was he yeah. And I mean, what's beautiful, they both have black quarterbacks. Like that was a celebration. I forgot my honorable mention, obviously Reggie and the eight points. And yeah, we just seconds, talk about it. Every we know it. Okay. So and now, same with this one. So three, yeah. one Cavs coming back three, one, it was, it, it, it made me cry. Um, just everything was so beautiful about it. Like the Warriors were the best team in basketball. We kind of got the sense of like, we don't need to watch this anymore. And LeBron doing it for Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was just a, yeah. yeah, said like that was like one of his first words in the post post game, like genuine, like just tears of of joy and relief. I I rewatched that last five minutes of that fourth quarter of Game Seven. It, it is just truly magical. Every player has like LeBron had the block, Kyrie had the three, and Kevin Love had the stop on Steph Curry. It's just in sports is one of the greatest moments. I think very much like the the Cubs win. It's not just a win from three down. It's yeah. that he was he's from Cleveland. Yeah. He played in Cleveland. They couldn't do it. They go. He goes to Miami. They burn his jerseys. He wins. It. He comes back like it was so layered and, and everything Cleveland has been through with the Cavs being bad and the Browns being how they mm-hmm. are. And and then them also having just like financially kind of falling apart as a city. Didn't their river catch on fire? Like crazy shit is constantly happening there. They call it the mistake by the lake. I think it's so rude. I love Cleveland, but it really, it also, it did feel like good versus evil. And I know that's wrong to say that the Warriors were evil, but you just, I wanted LeBron to win so badly. Yeah, I wanted him to win for his city. And it's like, that's where he grew up. It's like, I mean, like, Mm -hmm. it it really truly is like a great American tale. Like he is this young black kid, doing it for his city. He goes all over the country and he comes back for like, wasn't that, mm-hmm. that contract was like for, he was like, I'm going to come and win a championship for you and then I'm leaving. Like, yeah. he literally did it all for his city and then he was like, ah, this is finished. I feel like if LeBron retired after that, he he like did his mm-hmm. work. He did the work he wanted to do. Yep. Well, and now we know that that win was what made Jordan be like, okay, you can make a documentary about me. <laughs> like, he was like, oh, damn. Okay, he's really coming for, like, it, it. and and there will be a documentary about LeBron someday, and that will obviously be so integral and it is, like, such a magical moment. I but hope we yeah, don't have I to wait was... 22 years for it. <laughs> I, no, I don't think we will. I'm sure LeBron's working on it already. Um, but yeah, it really, damn, that was, it made, it made me cry. I think it made a lot of grown ups cry. Okay, Shanta, are you ready for your number one? I'm ready for my number one. My number one is Florida State National Championship 2014. Okay. Uh, we, uh, <laughs> We were really, really losing. We were down. I th- we, we, we scored first. We were like 3-0. And then Auburn came back, and they were in the lead 21-3. And it looked really, really, really bad. And then uh, we came yeah. back. We came back, and we won. Fourth quarter, last minute, Jameis Winston throws it to Kelvin Benjamin. 13 seconds left on the clock, and we came back. We, we ended the season 13-0. 
national champions. I fully remember that. It, it was like, I almost think that one gets overshadowed because of Jameis. Yeah. You know? I also have a story about where I was when that happened. So like, I was living in Chicago. It was the middle of the polar vortex. The day that Florida oh State gosh. won the national championship, I was in my studio apartment alone. It was negative 54 degrees outside. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I was talking to my aunt, my family. We were watching it, right? My aunt is a Florida State alumni, too. And we're watching it. And it's the fourth quarter. I mean, it's halftime. And we're down 21 to 3. And she turns it off. She goes, I can't watch us lose this game. And then I was like, mm-hmm. I'm stuck inside in the middle of an apocalypse. I'm going to watch this game. <laughs> so I'm drinking bourbon by myself in my studio. And we fucking come back. And we're national champions. And I call my aunt and I go, we won. And she goes, what? I turned it off. <laughs> really? Yes. She didn't. She. Oh, my God. She hadn't even been getting like texts. I guess she's an aunt. Aunts don't really she's get an auntie. She was like, I can't do it. I'm going to turn it off. I don't want to hear anything. Because also, like, there's some members of my family. Like, my mother is a Gators fan. Trash. Okay. Uh, she was, <laughs> so she was like texting my aunt being like, you're losing, you're losing. So my aunt was like, fuck it. I'm not taking any more texts. Call me when the game's over. God. And then I was like, yo, we just won undefeated Rose Bowl, baby. Give me my championship. Wow. Well, and then how do you celebrate something like that? Because the polar vortex, because my first instinct would be to run out on the street and find somewhere to get drunk. So how do you then celebrate? I was already pretty drunk because we were losing so bad at halftime. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like one of those things where I like, my my friends from college, we were like texting being like, oh my God. Like there was no bar to go to. Like there was nowhere for me yeah. to go to actually be with people and watch that game and it be safe. So like literally like I was thinking about, but like also if you're like an Auburn fan, you're probably somewhere, I don't know, in the South, at least you got to be warm when you lost. I was freezing and I was like, I can't believe my team, first of all, is going to blow an undefeated season (laughs) uh, while I'm trapped in this small apartment, freezing my ass off. But we came back (laughs) and it was, I mean, I think because I'm a Florida State fan, but like it was the best thing I'd ever seen because I literally was like, "Are we gonna lose this game?" Wow. Was that was Cam at Auburn then? Was it Jameis versus Cam? Um, no, this is 2013. Let's see. I'm sorry, I sidetracked us. I know, but now yeah, I, I mean, it's out. got. I'm Starting now. On. I'm just thinking about like the, not even just the culture shock, but like the weather shock of moving from Florida to Chicago as a young woman. Yeah, uh, and watching it in Pasadena too. Uh, yeah, it was actually not in Pasadena. Oh, the game. Sorry. Misinterpreted <laughs> what you were saying. No, I'm talking about Shantira's oh, experience. Yes. Oh yeah, I didn't see snow till I was 13. <laughs> it was a it was a big change, but I had I had improv dreams, y'all. <laughs> I know, I, that, and that's where you had to go. You know, I had. Was your family like, why are you going to Chicago? Well, I have one aunt who lived in Beverly, who lived in the suburbs. So, like, mm-hmm. my family was, like, because I went to school in my hometown. So, like, that was the first time I had ever moved away from home. So, like, my family was, like, we'll take you going to Chicago because we have, like, a family member rather than me going to, like, New York or L.A. where I didn't know anybody and I had literally never been before. Like, I've been to Chicago yeah. for Christmas, like, three times. So, like, it was, like, okay. they were, like, this is fine. We've been to this city before. And if all hell breaks loose, you can go to the burbs and figure something out. Yeah. 
that makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. Chicago's always been a great natural step if you weren't like – I was always afraid of New York and L.A. And I was like, Chicago will be a nice, easy transition into a major city. Yeah, and it's also affordable. affordable. Yeah, I believe that. It was like way yeah, affordable. affordable. And I had been to New York when I was like 19, and I didn't know that they threw the trash on the sidewalk. So like, yeah. I like yes. came from my like hoity-toity fucking Tallahassee recycle everything neighborhood, and I got there, and I remember walking down the street, and some man came and just dropped two trash bags on the sidewalk, and I looked at this girl, and I was like, why did he do that? And she was like, that's where they put the trash, and I was like, I don't think I can live here. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's how I felt, too. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. It's, yeah. Oh, I mean, even moving from Chicago to New York is a culture shock because you're like, wait, where are the alleys? Yeah. And it's like, there's there's a lot of things Chicago fucks up, but like, at least our trash is hit. Wait, you know why there's alleys, right? It's because Chicago burned down. So Chicago is on a grid system okay, yeah. and it's built exactly like New York. It was like New York, the second city. It was literally New York 2.0. And then it smelled yeah. like garbage because there was nowhere to put the trash, <laughs> which is what they did to New York. And then the whole city burned down. And then when they rebuilt it, they were like, you know what? We should just add one more, one yeah, more street yeah, in between. <laughs> we, we, we get a do over. Let's get a little do over. So yeah. like, you would have That's to- how I feel about the whole country of Germany. You yes. know, they got a do over starting like 1950. And it's like, yeah, they have their trains work better because they stopped being a country for a while and now they're back. <laughs> yeah, they rebuilt the whole thing. And that is why Chicago, they, that's why Chicago has alleys. Literally, you would have to burn New York to the ground for it to, to get the alleys that it needs. <laughs> oh, my God. Let's hope it doesn't come to that. No, no I, don't I don't think so. It, it's I think no, they've, it, accepted, well, they, they've accepted the way they are. Yes, they love it. They're like, pfft. We're killing it. This is a character in a movie. I know. <laughs> I, we're going to have to cut all of this shitting on New York. No, I know, because they're going to be so <laughs> mad at us. But, I mean, that I is true. Keep so the story mad. about Chicago burning down. That's why we have alleys. Literally, that's just a joke. <laughs> yes, we'll keep that. We'll keep that. Okay, Shantir, what can we plug for you? Uh, you can plug my my Twitter, my Instagram, and then whenever production pops back up, uh, we can plug Say by the Bell. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think we're all going to be on the lookout for Say by the Bell. We're plugging it here, but I feel like the people are going to they're going to get to it on their own. But yeah, your Twitter, you've been making me laugh. You've been educating. Uh, you're covering a lot of bases on your social media right now. Yeah, I'm um, trying. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to be fucking exhausted. I hope you are napping. I know that you're like, you're making a lot of delicious, um, you're baking, you are pickling, you're making salsas. It all looks <laughs> incredible. Yeah, um, I'm trying so to like come out of this with a, not necessarily like a skill set, but like I, if, if shit went down, if you need bread or pickles, I got you. Great. <laughs> I mean, I, I appreciate all of like the activism work you're doing. And then on Instagram, visually, you're doing a lot of great work, too. I always remember your your fun suits. I can't wait to see you in a fun suit in person in real life. Yes. Hopefully we'll hug. Soon. This is all over. <laughs> can't wait to hug you guys. Yeah. I know. Um, okay, see, you can find CJ at CJ Toledano. I am at Megan Gailey. Please rate, review, Send subscribe. us suggestions. Oh, yeah, we've been getting great suggestions. We're gonna do picks. A, we're going to do an all-Canada episode. Excuse me? Yeah. Uh, listen, wow. I promised a 13-year-old in Canada that we would be doing an all-Canada all right, all episode. Right. So you're getting it, 13-year-old. <laughs> 
I'm not going to say your name because you're Why a minor. Why are you talking to 13 year olds on social Listen, media? Have I'm you the, learned nothing from the this? The 13 year old reached out to me. Okay. Shantira. Uh, <laughs> Shantira, thank you so much. We miss you. Thanks, Shantira. And, um, yeah, you're killing it. You're, we love you and you are inspiring us too. Love you guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Bye. Bye. The Greatest is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.